Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. These panels have been made possible thanks to Double Exposure and their game design convention Metatopia at Metatopia Online 2020. These panels have also been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and moderators at this event. Now, let's get to it. Episode 322, Biracial Game Design, presented by Whitney DeLaggio, Camden Wright, and Abraham Yosef Baez. Uh, welcome everyone to our panel on biracial game design. Uh, we'll introduce ourselves first. Uh, I am Camden Wright. I am a game designer, writer, and uh, the current, uh, what is my job? The current diversity coordinator for the IGDN. <laughs> I will, do I work? Do I work? Do I even do a thing? What is <laughs> this is why business cards exist. I will throw it off to Whitney. Uh, hi, I'm Whitney. I am also a game designer and an um, artist. Uh, I am responsible for the brand Little Wish Productions, and I recently published a role play, my first role-playing game, Prism, and I will leave it up to this person. Hello, I am Abraham. Uh, I'm a community organizer, game designer, uh, winner of the 2019 IGDN sponsorship. And I am a all-around biracial nerd. <laughs> As for our topic. Uh, what? So, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think uh, thinking about uh, that, uh, um, I feel that games and the game designers, we put a little piece of ourselves into everything we create or try to, or I was told that if I sell a certain part of myself, my game would actually work and get bought. Um, and I think regarding that, uh, being a biracial game designer um, means a lot to me. And I think as we're gonna just learn a lot of people from the panel, uh, but specifically it, it makes me realize um, what I want to see happening within the world game designing, what I think is missing within the world of game designing, and how much representation matters. When you do see that game come out that can speak to individuals who are not normally and usually in the forefront of the of media in general, it is a huge win and it is a huge undertaking and matters to people. You may not realize it, you may not see it, but that aspect and that thing coming out into the world and being present is such an important thing, such an important piece of art that is happening. Awesome. So Whitney, your thoughts? Um, is this the question about um, be, how be, being raped by racial impacts? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> How does being biracial impact your design and the content of your game? Much as Abraham just spoke to. <laughs> um, 
as a game designer that apparently doesn't know how to follow directions, <laughs> um, it almost makes me not want to talk about race or ethnicity at all as a biracial nerd because I don't really want to like accidentally go on the train tracks of being team uh, white or not white. And um, I don't know if it's because it's like growing up, I was a huge like um, nature documentary and like um, sea creature nerd. But most of the time I feel like when I make a game, most of my games are about like aquatic humanoids. I'm using that like as kind of like a workaround of having to talk about races. Like they're a beluga person. If you associate that with Russia, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> And um, as an artist, I know it um, uh, causes a bit of stress because I always want to make sure that my skin tones are a rainbow of, of not just white. Because I know when I was working on Prism, I had a, um, a character that was like literally white um, skin because uh, it, that's part of their racial trait because they're, they like mimic elements. So it's like they, this is their clean slate mode. And I was like... I can't have everyone, all my artwork be this one family in the game. Otherwise, everyone's going to think this is not a uh, game made by someone that respects people of color, even though I'm a biracial designer. So that's my take. Awesome. Uh, <clears throat> I think for me, one of the biggest impacts is um, outside people, um, often white people, uh, but uh, outside people telling me what I'm allowed to make and what I'm not allowed to make. And so um, I'm in this interesting situation that personally, um, I've got uh, the white side of my family who I don't really know. Um, you know, like uh, I didn't know my biological dad. I don't know anything about my history. Um, on the other side, I've got my mom's family. So uh, I know history going back hundreds of years in Ethiopia. Uh, my mom was an immigrant who came to this country. Um, I grew up eating Ethiopian food. I grew up cooking Ethiopian. Uh, I grew up hearing Amharic in the house constantly. Um, and then to have that situation where somebody's like, cool, I hear what you're saying, but your skin's too light. So I'm not really comfortable with that. Um, so if you could either one, uh, become blacker or two, just write white games, I would really appreciate that. Um, and uh, ultimately my decision-making because uh, I'm stubborn and contrary is to say, no, actually that's not something I'm gonna do and I'm going to make you as uncomfortably as humanly possible. As a matter of fact, here's a game about why you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think that uh, there is no part um, of my game design that it doesn't touch. Um, I, much like you both said, it's something that influences every decision, big and small, that I make through game design because it's such a huge part of who I am. And, uh, and so it's just like the places that I grew up, the people I grew up around and the stories that I heard and people's reaction in the outside world. Uh, help frame everything that that I create as art. That's what I got. <laughs> All right, everybody. So, how does being biracial impact the jobs that you're offered in the industry? That was goes to you first, Whitney. 
No, it doesn't. Oh my gosh, it does. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a game designer. I know how to read too. <laughs> I don't know how to read too, apparently. Would, you, um, would everyone like me to read the questions? <laughs> no, I can do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, I'll say from the most part that uh, my half whiteness does not get me any jobs. Uh, the best of both worlds uh, concept is a lie. And a lot of times when I, uh, uh, not a lot of times, the, the times that I am offered a job and it, um, uh, it has to do with my, um, my, my race or ethnicity rather, um, they're always like um, quick to point out like, yes, because we need more, you know, designers of colors. I'm like, okay, so that's what it's about. You don't actually care about, you know, how I talk about non-toxic bro culture or, you know, um, uh, a sexy aquatic life or a, a, a sex positivity, you just care that I'm not a, a white person today. And that is like very disappointing and disheartening um, to me. And then I'll leave it up to the person up here. Um, so that definitely, I, I definitely struggle with the point, the, the, the aspect of am I too much of something or too little of another thing? I remember I, I went for a job interview one time, and because um, I am I am a Hasidic Jew, I dress in black and white almost every single day, uh, and um, I was told that uh, the company itself may have too many Jews working in a certain department, and to tone down kind of my image, so I. Um, I switched into like wearing a blue shirt, uh, which hurt me inside because it was like, okay, I have to like take this identity that is my whole and then just push it back into this part. Um, but at the same time, there, there's a part of me who um, I'm also Puerto Rican and my, I never was taught Spanish. My father just never taught us, uh, all my siblings. So there is like this aspect of my culture and my history um, that I have to do this work to achieve and to come into and to learn about. Uh, a lot of people may have already had like their, their foot in the door already, so to speak, um, which makes me feel that I have to constantly either like make sure I am meeting standards for what people are looking for and worrying that I am not achieving those standards, even though none of that is true. You don't have to achieve that. You are perfectly good as you are and legitimate as you are. Uh, but that is just something I feel when I try to have to go into spaces where I have to like compete for their identity politics and their identity quotas. Yeah, I, I feel that uh, I, I agree with, with both of you. I've experienced um, uh, similar things in that I feel like I'm conditionally black. <laughs> Sometimes I'm their non-threatening white friend. Um, and other times, like, they're like, oh, my goodness, we do not know a single black person. Wait, there's Camden. Camden is super <laughs> black. He is the most black of everyone. And so, you know, it would be cool if we hung out with him and put him on this project. And uh, I'm like, that's great. I mean, like, I am what I am. I can't say if my skin was darker, uh, my experience in life would be different than it is. Uh, if my just like if my skin was lighter, um, it would be different than it is. And um, I um, 
as described, I would, uh, there's a little knife twist every time somebody hires me for a job and they don't mention my writing, they don't mention my design, they don't mention uh, the work or the art that I create. They mention my heritage, they mention my family, they mention wanting to be more diverse. Uh, because I think that really um, defeats the entire purpose of asking for diversity, which is, you know, to increase the the width and breadth of art that we have to choose from and experience and the voices and the histories. And I mean, like the number of cultures that exist in this world and the weird monsters and the, uh, you know, the the kind of traditional stories and the new cutting edge things. Um, we're cheating the entire hobby by limiting it to one little tiny section of the world. And um, so I feel like it does a disservice to me, to, to all of us, and to uh, the, the industry that we love, you know? Well, let's see. So now that we've gotten through that, it's my question time. Um, so uh, this is something I feel really strongly about and is a good lead. And it's, uh, what is the impact of biracial representation in games, public attitudes, and overall racism on your place in the community? And um, growing up, um, my first game was D&D. &D. Uh, it was AD&D. &D. It was old, back, way back, back. And um, the first, uh, I'm going to read a little bit from the 1979 Monsters Manual. Content warning. This is terrible. And it involves <laughs> race mixing. Um, so verbatim from the book, uh, let's see, uh, half orcs as orcs will breed with anything. There are any number of unsavory mongrels with orcish blood, particularly orc goblins orc hobgoblins and orc humans. Orcs cannot crossbreed with elves. Orcs tend to favor the orcish strain heavily. So are basically orcs, although they can sometimes pass themselves off as true creatures of their other stock. Um, interestingly, uh, in that same book, half-elves were like, cool, there's no problem with half-elves. <laughs> we like them. They're great. They're the best of both worlds. They're, everybody loves them. <laughs> and the idea that um, half-orcs are, uh, sorry, that uh, half-elves are excluded and have become uh, marginalized was added into the game throughout the years. And so now you've got modern settings where um, I think it's uh, Wildwood, uh, one of the D&D 5e settings, where one of the kingdoms of elves consider you basically a race trader if you're a half-elf. Um, and like, how do you go into a game you know, wanting to engage and wanting to love it when literally every um, biracial character or class inside of this uh, is telling you you're dirty and people hate you. <laughs> I mean, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's so inherent across the board and uh, people just don't, they don't talk about it. They don't recognize it. It's just like, yeah, you know, like if you're a half elf, people are going to hate you. If you're a half work, people are going to hate you. If you're half this or if you're half that. Um, and so it, it, to me, it's, it's really exclusionary on a foundational level. 
Um, and I've got, you know, I could go through, there's a, a gajillion quotes from, you know, from modern to, to older books, uh, but it's a through line. And, and the fact that people have added an in in recent years, I think is super, super telling um, to kind of the overall stigma of those things. Um, I have uh, definitely been in situations where um, I have been told, you know, like I've uh, been asked to be part of a, uh, of a program where they're like, hey, we want marginalized creators here running games, doing stuff. I'm like, cool. They're like, yeah, we didn't really mean you. I'm not sure that you belong here. Uh, we were looking for something you know, like a little more obvious. Um, and at that same convention had people uh, yelling uh, incorrect, but uh, racial slurs at the back of my head and shoving me. Um, you know, like, like 12 hours later. Um, and, you know, how do you exist in a community when you're dealing with both of those, you know, extremes uh, in, inside, of a, uh, inside of a day? I don't, I don't have a good answer, but. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney, what about you? Um, well, kind of to uh, bounce off your conversation about orcs, um, uh, my first role-playing game was actually Besom. Big Eye, Small Mouth is kind of like an anime-y role-playing game where you can like fine-tune your character. And I wasn't even thinking high fancy at the time. Like, okay, I'm a sexy humanoid leopard seal who's also a belly dancer. And that was just my fate for the rest of my life, apparently. It was like, I don't want to be a regular race. I want to be a insert animal humanoid here which i mean yes there are you know 5e um races that are like snakes and, and cat people or you know what i mean mm -hmm. and um i remember when i got into um uh, uh 3.5 i was like um a human class because i didn't know what i was doing that was like the you know the, the, the um the easiest one to pick from and um that came never that, that campaign never finished and uh, after that, we moved to uh, fifth edition, and I decided to go with um, half orc because I, I wanted to be a you know a, a, a smash character. And um, I was working on my my background, and at the time, that's when I started realizing like how you know um, how orcs are interpreted in the, um, the the D and D franchise. And I have become a full advocate of using the the phrase "You're not my dad." And I'm like, okay, so you're gonna say that, you know, um, all half orcs are usually um, result of, you know, um, unconsensual sex. I'm going to have my half orc be the daughter of, of my uh, paladin from my 3.5 edition, you know, getting lost in the desert and finding her future husband. And they, you know, they have a mutual love for each other and they get married and have a baby and it's great and it's fantastic and healthy. So, you're, so fuck you. Um, <laughs> Um, and I, uh, uh, switching subjects before I forget, um, I also noticed that whenever I'm playing a Powered by the Apocalypse game, uh, which usually will have, like, you know, looks, names, example, and then they'll, they'll have, like, you know, um, races and ethnicities, and I, I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I usually don't see biracial as an option, and see, I remember, like, one. Sorry, oh. what? No, it's just I have seen it in one game only. You're 100. Yeah, right. and I remember I was playing. I think uh, like Velvet Glove or something. And I'm like, is it okay if I'm biracial? I'm like, why am I asking that question? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, it, it, it's like, it's like, yeah, it, it's great that they have like the full spectrum, but it's like, but, 
spectral pain. Yeah, and and I think um this this really is kind of like just a hold from our own society. Like I, I re recall growing up and hearing like my mother um, was not sure how to fill out forms. Like, cause she has to like figure out like what box do I check off for my children? And um, that becomes an almost reality once again, where I have this character sheet in front of me and I'm like, what box now do I actually have to check off to pull in this entire like default heritage into like the slot? And, and I, I get, you know, our need for kind of categorizations and, and things like that, <clears throat> kind of. But um, it becomes just another reminder of how people who don't neatly fit, I suppose, are, are not going to be represented within this game, and they're going to have an issue. Um, I, I know Camden mentioned this, but I, I want to just pull in this one quote that I saw from this D&D Beyond uh, in 2020, that many have elves unable to fit into either society, choose lives of solidarity, wandering or joining with other misfits and outcasts in a bettering life. And that is painful um, because it is a reality that a lot of biracial people have to face in which your own historic, your own cultural uh, cultures may not respect you, may not accept you. And then when you try to say, I have this like baggage from my life that I'm dealing with, let me go into a fantasy to go and try to escape it. You're immediately just shown this mirror again of how much you do not fit into this society and probably just go off into a cave by yourself and enjoy that life. Uh, it's, 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 very, uh, it's very painful for that to be a reality within our, our games in which we are allowing ourselves to design uh, imagination, worlds and, and, and universes that have all these possibilities and we default ourselves into kind of this really bad space and really bad situation that we're allowing for this to continue on. Stop it. <laughs> Agreed, so say we. <laughs> Um, so uh, I'll add a question on here that uh, that wasn't part of the original list, and um, so and I'll start with you, Whitney, this time. Um, what do you think about um, as you've created your own games and you've started working on them, and you've had these experiences both playing other people's games uh, and in your daily life? Um, and you talked about some of the art uh, and how that affected what you've made. Uh, but is there a core of your, is there a through line in the games that you make that you stick to or you avoid as far as that kind of content goes um, at all? You think that like there's a game where you're like, I've got a message here, even if I didn't realize I was putting it in there. <laughs> um usually not about being biracial actually which is i'm kind of like disappointed in myself um because i um, decided when i was going into um, designing games after being part of google plus and hearing so many um soapbox um conversations about um opinions on things that are like icky in society 
I'm like, I have to, you know, pick which things I'm going to talk about regularly and stick with that because I don't want to be like become some muddled entity in the community. So um, once I realized that uh, Prism wasn't going to be a crunchy, you know, D&D replica because that's what I was experiencing at first and um, uh, had more experience with um, indie games. I um, wanted to focus more on um, social um, soapboxes instead. And um, I know if I like look through all of my um, writing that I've um, contributed to my game or other games, is I usually talk more about um, uh, like um, physical comfort in community in, in, in um, close communities and and um, and such. So it's like with Prism, it's um, uh, no one. I, I uh, mentioned that no one here is um, like r race is not a subject of of debate. You know, um, your um, sexual preference is not a subject of your debate, your, that your job is not a subject of debate, that, you know, if you're a sex worker, they're like, that's great, pass the butter. Um, and uh, so I kind of wanted to create a world where that's just not an issue. So I, I guess in a way it's, it's like, okay, so in this world, if you're biracial, it's fine because no one cares, but they don't really care if you're one race or the other either, although in, in prison or families, but, um, and um, in other writings, it's, 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 it's the same thing. It's basically more about, you know, um, uh, taking um, comfort in each other, whether that be like emotionally or, or sexually. Um, because I, rem I remember, and I, I was thinking about while you're uh, talking about um, orcs, it's like when I was a kid, I was watching Land Before Time. And this was before I realized that when uh, people were being mean to me, it wasn't because of, of my race or my hair, which was really big at the time. It was because people are assholes or I deserve it. Um, I remember Sarah telling Littlefoot three horns don't play with long necks. And I guess even as a little Whitney, I, I, I had like a little tiny bro lobe in the back of my brain saying, you're not my dad. <laughs> so I, <laughs> so it's like little Whitney from that day decided that um, they wanted to create games where it's like more about like how these issues aren't issues, but it's not like, it's not like a, like a, like a dystopian nightmare where it's like everyone pretends to all love each other but in like in the shadows it's all like some you know government conspiracy or whatever it's like actually legitimate like um community feels and stuff like that um like uh one of the most recent things i wrote it's um again i have has orcs in it um i wrote a thing about uh um uh, uh, like paladin sex workers that live in cold climates that are like um a cold climate um, uh, predators and orcs because I uh, want, basically wanted to create a, a, a concept where it's like orcs and uh, anim uh, cold climate predator humanoids are all living together, all in, in you know, cuddle puddles to keep warm. And no one's like, oh, ew, orcs. Or, because it's like, you don't say ew, orcs when they're standing right next to a, a, um, a leopard seal humanoid. So leopard seal's like, what you saying about my fam? <laughs> so, awesome. so i so to um answer your question in a nutshell it basically my uh it, it it um challenges me to make every game be basically you're not my dad <laughs> <laughs> that's a running theme <laughs> how about you abraham 
Um, I think it's, it's, it, is a, it is a tricky subject uh, when actually designing because I feel that in, in like a lot of my stuff, it, it's, um, I have always like thrown in there like a character will have a specific name that is like part of my culture. But when I'm like designing a, a larger game with a larger theme within it, I kind of feel that I'm like this child of, a, of divorced parents and like, okay, today I'm going to go visit my, my, mom's, my mom's side. And today I'm going to go visit my dad's side. And pulling those things together just makes me worried. Like, who's, who's going to want, like, who's going to want this, you know? And um, there is this kind of fear that it's just like, if I am, if I am designing so specifically to an identity that means so much to me that um, I've spent so much time learning about uh, treasuring and also trying to pass on to my children. Like I become afraid that it's like so niche that it's just like, no, no, no one's really going to want to hear about that or care about that. Uh, so I do wind up really doing this whole like, okay, today is this side game and next week is this side's game. And it really is a, a struggle. Um, I find it a lot easier when, I, when I'm actually playing games because I can easily make a character and just be like, they're like this and it's like me. And, um, but like trying to figure out how to incorporate that into my design without this like this voice in my head that's worried about, you know, is this something that's valid? Uh, which is probably, you know, a lot of things that I'm just dealing with regarding that identity too. Um, because like, within cultures, and especially biracial people, you get a lot of this, you are not, you're a half of something, you know? Like, you know, and I, I'm still trying to figure out what half of that is me. Uh, they even like, you know, people within my family will call like my, my children Puerto Ricans, um, which I, you know, I, I hate that because like it impresses upon them that like I have this bloodline that's being like weakened in every single generation and that, and it, it's it's bad and I don't think they're doing it at a malicious intent but it is this part of us that we think that there is an easy way to divide up a person into perfect little sections and just put them on these boxes um, ripping down those boxes and figuring out how to put that upon in a game is is something I would I keep on thinking about want to do and want to showcase within my design and my work but it is it's a struggle definitely a struggle yeah there was um <clears throat> a couple of uh, years ago for the 200 word rpg contest i made a game called secret person of color that was um very very pointed <laughs> there was no 200 words there's no no room for subtlety there um but it was really an interesting experience because it was really like based on like conversations I've had a million times in real life. And um, the reaction from uh, biracial people uh, and as opposed to the reaction from uh, white people uh, was pretty dramatically different. And um, there was the, the um, scoring system in the game, there's a scoring system is incredibly skewed uh, against the secret person of color. Um, as it is in real life. And um, people 
uh, kept saying, you can't win this game. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That's, that's the whole point of this entire exercise. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and other people are like, oof, I feel this. <laughs> this is, this is all the way deep down inside my heart. Um, and I, I think that one of the cool things about games um, is that we can tell those stories in super obvious ways, like I did with that. We can tell it in super um, subtle and uh, narrative ways, like Whitney is doing with the family structure and stuff inside of Prism and games like that. It's, um, I think that we need it all, you know? Um, I really do. And, um, and there's no, like I said earlier, there's nothing I ever make won't have some little piece of it, even if it's, you know, um, my, you know, like I'll stick references to my grandfather inside of things. I will um, put little um, calls back to Ethiopia, which you wouldn't know unless you knew something about Ethiopia. Um, if you ask me to pick a deity, I'm going like old school, like can't hardly find it written down Ethiopian mythology that is, you know, lost for a thousand years. Um, <laughs> Uh, because to me, it's it's a way to claim the entirety of me. Um, and uh, being uh, light skinned, uh, growing up on the West Coast, I you know I was raised. Uh, my mom raised me to be an American first and foremost. So I also, aside from a few words, I don't speak American. Um, I was raised to speak English, raised to be an American. I was raised to fit in, um, which growing up in uh, Alaska, where I did, um, you know, my mom and I were the only two black people for literally hundreds of miles around. And so I was only black. Uh, when I grew up, you know, like regardless of how light my skin was, that's all I ever was. And then um, watching that change um, as I got older um, and being assumed that I was Alaskan Native when we moved to bigger cities and uh, being assumed that I was Latinx when I was living in Colorado and those things that kind of morphed when I was a kid. Um, I remember uh, being in uh, Florida to, um, to visit uh, my grandmother who had come over to this country for a brief visit. And my uncle, and um, it was when, uh, this is when there was a huge influx of uh, Cuban refugees. And uh, I was playing with one of the kids down at the pool and he's like, come on, meet my grandmother. And uh, she said something to me in Spanish and I was like, blink, blink. And she started yelling at me that no one had spoken, no one had taught me Spanish and what is wrong with my parents and what is wrong with my family. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, grandma, no, 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 no. Um, and, uh, so it's hard for me to not put that in my games, you know, because I actually think it's, you know, it's interesting. I think that um, what we're all doing in our own ways is adding in those important pieces of conversation that fight back against the inherent message of so many games today, which is you are going to be excluded, you are impure, and you don't really belong here. That's my two cents. So, I have a question from the audience, if you guys would like to take that now. That'd be great. Uh, the question is, uh, what, as a, what brings you the most joy in game design? Not specific to, but could include uh, aspects of being a biracial designer. 
Who wants to take it? There is no oh. incoming call. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> My echo got very angry with me. <laughs> I'm going to throw it to Whitney first. Okay. Uh, what brings me the most joy? Oh, I well, as of now, um, uh, I can um, say this uh, actually sort of has to do with being biracial um, and also being a child of divorced parents is that um, my uh, colored side of the family did not teach me um, joy of my hair. So I did not love being a curly girl until I got into college. Um, because I was surrounded by people, including people of color that wanted my hair to be straight or would throw things at my hair or call me names. And my dad's side of the family didn't know how to, didn't know what to do with said hair. So I, I, <laughs> so um, everything I designed um, up until college was a bunch of straight haired white people because I was not fueled with any sense of pride of being anything but white. And all I want to do um, as far as content was concerned at the time was like, you know, um, Italian gangster stuff, because that's all Italians are known for spaghetti and gangster films. <laughs> and um, uh, when I finally got to college, that was when um, I decided to take more pride in my hair and that is when I decided to draw more characters with hair textures. And um, it also brought to my attention other things that aren't often um, drawn in artwork, uh, such as people um, with freckles, for example. Um, so um, being a, game a biracial game designer brings me joy because I, as a person who has had to, you know, um, live a life where I feel kind of like the odd one out is that I can make content that puts that kind of um, stuff in the forefront. So it's like, you know, a hot girl, a hot colored girl with uh, textured hair, um, a hot redhead with, you know, with, with freckles. It's like all of that's uh, just, you know, bringing all that stuff into, um, uh, into what I um, uh, design and, 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 and my and drawing content. If that makes any sense, I don't know if it did or not. Once I said it, I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I feel like I'm rambling at this point. Uh, you're good, Whitney. Uh, I'll jump in next. Um, uh, I, I say this a lot um, and because I, I mean it, uh, but I think that one of the most beautiful parts of gaming and sort of where I feel like a lot of the art comes from is uh, making real emotions from imagined situations. And uh, for me, there's those moments where I put a piece of my heart down on a page and create a situation uh, that is like deeply personal and to have people um, react to that, like on a deeply human level, you know, with like real feeling, whether that's joy or sadness or, you know, grief or anger, whatever it is, but like real emotion. Um, brings me, keeps me going uh, all the time and helps me put up with the nonsense. Um, because I just, I think that that is something really cool and special about games. Um, I mean, we certainly, when we watch a movie, we'll often have that same emotional reaction. Uh, but generally I consider that more of a singular um, experience. Uh, and at a gaming table, I find uh, that it's a sh more of a shared experience, even if it's with, you know, one or five other people. 
um, you have those moments to talk about, like you had just done something, like you'd just gone adventuring, or you had just, you know, like uh, uh, talked to a friend who, you know, like really needed you and helped them see the world differently. Um, and so that still brings me so very, very much joy, especially when um, I see my own emotions uh, from the foundation of why I created a thing reflected in other people's experience at, at a table. Why did I let you go for <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, for, for me, um, yeah, I, I am definitely uh, sure that kind of like the emotional aspect regarding in, in games and design, but um, there is this part of me that um, I think a lot of the things that I do start from an inside joke that really like resonates with me, and then um, that spirals into something else that's weird and, and strange and out there. Uh, and I think having that, um, having that, I think like helps me just maintain this excitement because it's it's this part that um, amuses me and excites me and and uh, I am allowing that to grow and to manifest itself and then hopefully uh, share it with everyone else. Awesome. Do we have any other uh, questions, Abby? That's it so far. So do you have another question in your queue? Um, I actually see a question on the chat of, um, uh, have there been opportunities in games where you feel like you have been able to celebrate or recognize your biracial reality in ways that you aren't able to in non-RPG spaces? Good question. Um, I, if I, if I'm hearing the question correctly, um, I want to give a very big shout out to Harlem Unbound um, because that was the first role-playing game that I've ever opened up. And not only was it, you know, it was, it was a game that is specifically focused on, on black people. Um, it is a game that had as its default for the religious, uh, the religious, like, I guess, class in the game, uh, a rabbi. And it was this first space in which I kind of like, I had this like moment of like, like, you know, the, the, oh, there, there's, some, there's something that I, I know and something that I can, I can be, and it's not this default of, um, of kind of like Christian default that I see in most uh, role-playing games. Um, if you open up some of the other like kind of dungeon uh, adventuring games, uh, there is a very specific idea of what religion looks like. And it's not me. Uh, and having that, um, seeing that was, was a very, very important moment uh, to me. And it really made me so happy to just have that from there. Um, yeah, uh, I think that um, in my participation inside of uh, RPGs, um, I have only been ever tasked with writing about one half of myself. <laughs> um, so 
I don't feel like um, I've certainly been excited uh, to put like pieces of Ethiopia into a game, uh, which I've done before, hoping that somebody would have that moment like you did, Avraham, where they would open it up and they're like, Queen Goody, are you kidding me? Like, nobody knows who she is. Um, and uh, and so that, you know, uh, that really, uh, I, I hope to be that for somebody um, at some point. But um, I would love to see uh, a moment where uh, one of us picked up a book and, um, you know, like you're, you're flipping through and, you know, I'm like, what? half white, half Ethiopian as a superhero. What the hell is going on here? Um, or, you know, uh, I think that, I think that with the important conversations that we're starting to have about race, uh, even that term inside of RPGs and things like that, um, the ways that um, those topics are starting to be pulled apart and looking at the component parts and kind of what's the foundation of them. I'm really excited about what will come in the next 10 years. Uh, but right now, uh, my biracial identity has not been welcome in a game that I didn't write. Um, yeah, um, like I said um, before, like um, creating worlds where um, race or, or family or ancestry or ethnicity is not really discussed um, has become my MO. So um, I don't really talk about being biracial in any of the, of the content I create. Um, but I know uh, in the content I do create, I kind of like create like the world that I wish little Whitney had. Like I know um, a lot of the times I create worlds where the um, background stories are about, you know, two parents that love each other and aren't, you know, going to split up. Um, and um, it's, I create worlds where like, um, and, and uh, you know, bringing up, you know, non-toxic bro culture again, uh, like if I like run a campaign of a game and I, um, you know, okay, this, um, this humanoid shark bro is celebrating a baby shower with um, her other bros. And um, I kind of imagine it as someone who is probably a, um, you know, um, could be a, a mixed person, but it doesn't matter that they are or not because, you know, um, it, it's inclusive. Um, and I know I created a, a I worked on a, a scenario for a game where, um, aquatic people and um, humans, you know, court each other. And um, it was important to me since, you know, obviously their offspring are going to be half one thing or another, like half um, of the sea and half of the land that um, it's not going to be like, okay, well, if you were um, more land than sea, you'll, you know, your, your sea family want nothing to do with you and vice versa. So it was important to me that I create, I, I write in that, you know, um, you know, uh, there was a child that was born more land than sea, but, you know, the, the father of the child um, who's, who is of the sea, you know, comes and, um, and sings them to sleep at night. So they know that they're still loved by the sea. And I saying that out loud, I didn't even realize that I basically made it a scenario for Curse of Brooklyn. That was basically about a bunch of biracial people. I, um, Sneaks so, up on you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I've never done that, except this time I clearly did. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it because it was more, it wasn't even like about about race. It was more like, you know, children that, you know, want to be, that I want to be loved by mom and dad. Because as a divorced kid, sometimes you don't feel that way. And you have like all these outside forces who are, uh, you know, one half of the family or the other. That's like, oh, your dad's so great. Or, oh, your mom's so great. I'm like, you're not with my mom and my dad 24-7. And you don't know what being in a, in a you know, a divorce cycle is like. So, um, yeah. So I feel like, you know, being a, you know, a, a friendless kid, a kid of, of, of divorced parents, and a kid who's biracial, like created like a cocktail of what I wanted to in- include in my in my um, artwork and in my writing. All right, I think we have time for one more audience question because uh, we're at about thirteen minutes till the end, and then I will ask each of you to just reiterate who you are and where people can uh, buy your stuff uh, and find you on social media. So the question is. Uh, does your game design steer away from fanny, fantasy races, or do you lean into them? And we're going to start with Camden this time. All right. Um, they they it leans uh, pretty strongly away from them. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I prefer to uh, a lot of the games that I make are uh, in modern settings uh, because. Uh, I like to shine a spotlight on things. I don't, when it comes to things, I'm like, sure, we could have metaphor here, or <laughs> I could just explicitly lay it out. Um, so I, uh, they were conversations that always made me so uncomfortable uh, that people were kind of ignoring when I was a kid. There was issues uh, when I was coming up playing, you know, primarily fantasy games. Uh, that just felt weird and wrong to me, but I seemed to be the only person that saw it. And so I never said anything. And uh, as uh, as a consequence of that, um, I tend to run away from it and uh, um, not deal with, with those things. Um, I think that when you've got um, some of the issues that, you know, with... Uh, Orcs and half orcs, uh, you know, like orcs as a whole, or you know, have issues. Um, you've got um, all of the things that we that we mentioned earlier, and you're also experiencing those things at the table with the people, you know, the actual humans. You're also experiencing some of those same things from them. Um, it's not a place that I ever felt really um, was for me like literally was not for someone like me. Um, and uh, so consequently, I don't feel welcome deciding there either. How about you? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't really do. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't done anything that includes fantasy races in it because I'm really kind of focused in on presenting this rich culture that um, I feel like people don't know about and don't get to be excited about. And people who are even in that culture are told not to be excited about. Um, And I think for this moment and time, my real design, design focus is I want people to feel good about who they are, where they come from. And, And I think just at this point, I would like to 
continue to put a spotlight to how awesome um, people from like my culture are, and bless you, and the heritage, uh, and the heritage that that I was not privy to learn about until my adult life. I want to help unlock that, uh, even if it is in, in game form, to someone else who might be looking. For All right, thank you, Whitney. Um, as I've stated several times already, because I'm obsessed with it, um, I don't really do high fantasy races because I'm too busy making undersea life humanoids. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, there is one um, uh, race I kind of uh, fiddled with before um, Prism was finalized because um, for some reason I was really into Drowth at the time. I think it was because it was a webcomic I was reading. Um, and then um, getting into the community, I started hearing about all like the the drought blackface issues, and that like um, you're not my dad lobe started like firing off in my brain. And um, I um, created a family in Prism called uh, Weed Folk, who they're they're not drow, but they have gray skin and freckles, and. Um, uh, while they're frowned, frowned upon by um, their kind of like uh, sister family, which are plant folk, it's more like the, you know, embarrassed older sibling who's texting and and and, and um, shops at at the popular white girl stores, being embarrassed about their you know little sibling that's playing in the mud all day and rolling their eyes like I can't believe we're related. So it doesn't like you know it's not you know it doesn't become like a racing. It's more like a you know, I'm a, you know, a, a, a posh, a, a posh person that's going to the theater and my little sister likes, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, tending to the farm and, and, and flexing and, you know, showing off by lifting, by shotgunning an entire keg. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's probably my only experience with working with like the regular high fantasy races because I feel like they've like been done enough already. So I don't really feel like I could do anything cool or nuanced with them. Awesome. Thank you. Do any of you have any last thoughts that you want to put in before we head towards wrap up? Uh, I'll jump in <laughs> as the person who hates the silence. <laughs> no you're good um uh, i just uh, i i think that the conversations that we have um that we're having today and will continue to grow uh, over the coming years um i think are incredibly important um and uh, i think that there is a lot of uh nuance when it comes to these topics and designing in them and the stories that we're going to tell in the future and I think if I could say anything to like folks out there um, and with a similar background to any of us, uh, you're not alone. And the things that you see out there that, you know, kind of make it, you know, kind of cringe or twitch or um, you're not the only one that sees it, even though it's not a conversation that a lot of people are having. Um, and that when it comes time, if you're uh, in a space where you want to make art and you want to create your games, whatever that looks like. Once again, you're not alone. Tell those stories that are most important for you to tell and give, um, give other people the moment where they're like, ah, you know, they see in, in the printed word, I'm not alone. 
Great. Um, Everham? Um, yeah, I, that is very beautiful. Uh, and I definitely, um, I definitely want that to be conveyed, uh, that this is, there are so many experiences that a person is going to find and have and learn about within themselves. And the move that we, we really need to see that just as like the people that we interact with, the cultures that exist there, our understanding of them in a fantasy world has, has been um, corrupted by people who have been very much about oppressing and subjugating another group of people. And that is one thing I am hoping that we as game designers begin to move away from, that there is no such thing as evil or good races. There are people that do good and bad things in the world and their cultures and their heritages are aspects that help them kind of define and give information and uh, substance to the world that they live in but do not define it on that where they come from or who they are becomes a moral aspect. Um, you would never say that to a person. You would never go out, uh, hopefully you don't <laughs> go out and say that to a person that they are, because they are from this culture, they have these tendencies. Um, move that away from your conversation with race and game design for good. Whitney? Uh, my final thoughts are, you know, um, if you are, you know, like one of us and, you know, do not feel like you have to be a, a soapbox or advocating or being a champion or something, if you want to write a, some, a thing about, you know, puppies and that is it, that is perfectly fine. You, you, you know, design what makes you happy. But I am uh, implore you if you have, if you too have a, you're not my dad lobe in your brain. <laughs> Do, uh, uh, you know, let that let that flag fly and t tell the world you're not my dad. <laughs> I think that may be a perfect summation for this panel. <laughs> All right, Whitney, if people want to find you online, they want to buy Prism, they want to buy your art, where do they go? Uh, they they can find um, uh, my artwork and places to find my game at littlewishproductions.com. Uh, they can also find me on Twitter um, at Whittle Dragon, and they also can find me here on um, Discord, whatever. I, I think it's like um, Whitney Delaglio uh, number sign 5004. I don't know how Discord works yet. I'll figure it out one day. <laughs> Great. Abraham? Uh, yes, uh, if you want to follow me, uh, I am on Twitter at Averlog, A-V-R-L-O-G-G. Um, from there, there is a link to my Itch account uh, if you want to see the tiny weird game up there for, for you. And Camden. Uh, you can find me at, uh, all my games are listed on my company website, uh, umg.rocks, Unicorn Motorcycle Games. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Camden, C-A-M-D-O-N, uh, or on Facebook, Camden Wright. Fantastic. Thank you for participating, everybody. This was really valuable. I appreciate you so much. Uh, thank you for having us. Yay.
Good idea, Whitney. Thank you.